Uh, hello. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the B-Side with Ben Styles. Today, we have uh, a dear friend, Sam Sidorchuk. Hi. Man is a downhilling legend and a great human being. Got me into skateboarding many, many years ago. So uh, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's just say, how have you been recently? How have things been? Um, things have been really interesting recently. I don't know. I'm just working as I have been for the past couple of years. That's not super changed, but recently I got sponsored downhill skateboarding. Um, and I just today found out I'm entered into uh, the longest running downhill race in all of history. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's cool. pretty exciting. And uh, where do you work? I work at a uh, shop called Espresso Tech. It's, um, they sell and repair and service really, really expensive espresso machines for cafes and individuals. So kind of a weird job. I work in the back and I just repair coffee machines all day. It's Drink coffee. Yeah, I get overly caffeinated. Yeah. Definitely. It's really, it's really interesting. I've developed absolutely no like taste for coffee at all in the time working there like a lot of people who work there in the front are like you know aficionados yeah i guess coffee snobbery yeah absolutely not i have no tolerance for that i mean fair enough the coffee's coffee right yeah it works but still i i think there's there's definitely some fancy beans out there i do have a, a question for you okay i do want to take it back to yeah. the early experiences of sam sadorchuk yeah i'm curious what you were like as a kid what were your were, were your dreams do you have any like hopes you remember that yeah. didn't pan out or like how life changed for you um, well, I would say that like, if we're talking about hopes and dreams as a kid, like I have always really been fixated on, well, speed, but specifically, like I always really wanted to be a test pilot. Yeah. I would have said that I wanted to be an astronaut, but given the option of being an astronaut or being a test pilot of like exceptionally fast airplanes, I would have taken a test pilot every time. Um, and for some reason, like I've, I've been kind of fascinated with that for a long time. And I think at first it started as wanting to be an astronaut, but it's, it's just been going fast, part going of fast it. flying things was really, that was really it as a kid. Definitely. Well, that's, that's quite curious actually. Um, I'm curious about your nature as well. Like have, have you felt like your nature has stayed the same? Oh, you're going to have to describe nature to me in nature. this sense. Um, like everyone has that kind of homeostasis where they're kind of always, being some people are kind of angry some people are excited some people are really relaxed uh -huh. like were you a very excited kid were you calm did you have lots of interests like in that kind of sense you yeah know, your nature is a yeah, person. yeah um i was a very very excited kid like I, I i would say that uh i was a little bit hyperactive maybe but i don't know how that term kind of has lost value or, or whatever i think i think it's kind of just a kid thing yeah i was 100%. a very excited kid I was really, really curious about everything. Um, and I think that, I don't know, that's changed a little bit. I think that like there's a little bit of cynicism now, <laughs> a little bit in, in my nature, a little bit less kind of like just uh, naive curiosity. But yeah, yeah. The world will definitely do that to you. <laughs> yeah. That's the strange place we live for sure. Um, as far as like stories go, I'm really curious what got you into skateboarding. That one's really, that one's really, really hard for me. Um, so when I was really young, like in the house that I grew up in, um, I lived there until I was like 13, I think. Yeah, 13, probably like seventh grade. And there was a bunch of kids that lived on that street that were all about the same age. Like, you know, the whole, the whole block that I lived on had probably like 10 kids about the same age. And so our parents would throw block parties every year. Um, 
and at the block parties this is kind of like the earliest i remember mucking around with like skateboards and stuff is at the block parties there was like a little bit of a slope down the street and everyone would get on like like those weird tricycles with plastic wheels or like skateboards or anything and sit on them and and just kind of go down the hill and go around the corner at the end of the street um and it was just kind of like how like kids tear around the suburbs on bikes or something well we weren't going very far but we were like on skateboards and stuff and i remember because my dad had like some 90s reissue pal peralta deck in the garage um that was like some street skate pool board i would go to the biggest hill in the neighborhood and try and sit on the skateboard and go down the biggest hill and i remember like going down this hill with a girl also on the skateboard like just i don't know it was just like that was it and just then, sitting on your butt yeah oh classic and then when i was in i think when i was like in the eighth grade or ninth grade maybe i got like a, a little cruiser board with like soft wheels and i would just kind of like cruise around on um bike paths and stuff with some friends who also had the same sort of cruiser boards and uh that was where it kind of started yeah okay okay so i found at least personally a big part of it was like the media once you start getting into the videos of people flying down hills you kind of get that idea in your head did you find that that had a big influence on you i it had a huge influence on me and like i even even today i was watching old skate videos like that i watched when i was you know like in in like the 10th grade or something when i was like 16 when i was really starting out downhill skateboarding but there's a there's a weird period that i can't really I have no memory of what the first like downhill skateboarding video I saw was and I cannot figure it out. I don't know how I discovered downhill skateboarding. I had that cruiser board for a while. Uh, I went on a trip to Victoria with my parents and it got stolen out of the back of our car and my dad went to a skate shop in the neighborhood and traded some old reissue deck of his that I definitely wish he still had for a, a Sector 9 cruiser longboard and that was my first longboard. And very shortly after, I had, like, gloves and was trying to do slides and go down hills. And I don't know how that started. Huh. I don't know what the first thing I saw was. You don't know. Okay, okay. And how old were you when, when this was taking place? Yes. Well, I, I got the first, like, longboard and started to learn to do slides and go down hills um, right around the 10th grade like 2016 okay okay yeah so i I probably would have been 16 that makes sense yeah 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 yeah. 16 um i do have a little semantics question because i think people go at this a lot um but are you a longboarder or a downhill skateboarder oh that's tough i mean like i think that a lot of longboarders are in denial about the fact that they're longboarders a lot of downhill skateboarders want to say that they're longboarders or, or sorry, a lot of uh, downhill skateboarders want to say that they're downhill skateboarders, but they're just all longboarders, and that's really what it is. Because, you know, like, even even though that the um, fastest, most kind of racy downhill skateboarders now are, like, the same size as a street skateboard, they're, like, 30 inches long. Um, yeah, they're not really They're not really long anymore. Um, it's still longboarding. And I think that people try and say that it's not because the the broader culture of skateboarding really really like shits on longboarders <laughs> no for sure for sure yeah I, that's always a curious semantic one so so I, I guess for you what would you say do you have a preferred term or i i kind of prefer downhill skateboarding because yeah. i like that it includes skateboarding 
I think that it should be included under the umbrella of skateboarding. However, I'm kind of adamant that it's kind of, it's longboarding. That's what like most people know it as. Definitely. I always had this conversation with people and it's like, oh, you skate downhill, so you longboard. It's like, well. Well, I guess I if, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the same, uh, same thing, different names. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I'm really curious as to how the people in the community have helped you progress your skating. Oh boy. It's, it's pretty, it's been a weird time for me. So when I started downhill skateboarding, um, there wasn't really much of a open community for beginners, um, in Vancouver because Vancouver went through a big boom of downhill skateboarding in, you know, 2013, 2014, when the sport was just getting really big and then it fell off around 2015. So in Vancouver, when I started around 2016, there really was not much of a open community. There were some like kind of grizzled veterans who were skating the big hills in in North and West Van, you know. Um, but we were always like afraid of them. Like we didn't want to go there because that was their turf. You know, it wasn't like there were people that were trying to teach us how to do things. So like I met one friend who was kind of my age and we would just kind of skateboard whenever we could and, and look on Google maps for like little hills in our neighborhoods that we could try and learn to skateboard on. And that was really it. Was that Lazar? That was Lazar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really get a lot of help for quite a while. Like it was, it was only once I was like a pretty capable downhill skateboarder that could kind of go down some of the bigger runs and, and, you know, slow down properly and do, do slides on my own that then people in the community were sort of like, Hey, come skate with us. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I guess they wanted to see that you had that bare level of uh, confidence to just take you mm -hmm. with them. But I find nowadays the community is a lot more inclusive. Like people are so stoked to see new riders, teach yeah. them, get them, get them going. Yeah. I think, I think that people sort of recognize that after the big slump in downhill skateboarding, they needed to actually, actually, actually actively like bring people into the sport to have it kind of flourish and, and to have people to skate with, you need to actually generate people to skate with and you need to help beginners no, get to your level. Um, I guess for people that don't know skateboarding much, you can go pretty freaking fast. I'm curious what's the top speed you've hit. Well, yeah, I've probably done about 115 kilometers an hour downhill on my skateboard. That's pretty um, fucking fast. <laughs> I, I can't say for sure because generally, you know, your top speed is recorded at, at official events, your top speed is recorded with a radar gun or with a speed trap. So, you know, two wires on the road and you go past one and then you go past the other and they can calculate your speed. Um, but for me, all I've gotten is being followed by a car down a highway. And so, you know, the car tries to approximately match your speed and you can kind of just guesstimate from there. Yeah, that's still uh, pretty fast. And was this on the, the big iron tour? Yeah, yeah, this was on the Big Iron Tour. Oh, I'm curious to go into Big Iron because I think that has quite a few stories to it. Yeah. Um, okay. Ooh, what, what was your, do you have any favorite memories from that trip? Um, that one's really, that one's really tough because that was like my first skate trip that wasn't with my parents. So like when I went to a couple events when I was younger, I went with my parents. We would drive down to Washington to this road called Mary Hill. And my, you know, we'd stay in the hotel that's near the road. We wouldn't camp at the, at the event. Um, cause the, you know, the campsite gets pretty rowdy. Um, and so I had never kind of been on a skate event unsupervised and 
and Big Iron wasn't really an event, but it was just like, you know, the six of us, or I don't remember how many of us there were just like tearing around the province. So I don't know, kind of all of the camping. I would say that one of my best memories was when we were driving towards Summerland and it was like 10 o'clock at night and we were in Emily's car and there were five of us in her car and there are like four seats plus a really narrow middle seat and the roof box was full of skateboard gear and the trunk was full of skateboard gear so this car was like slammed to the ground and you know we were barely fitting and we were driving to Summerland it was like 10 o'clock at night we were realizing that we weren't going to get to our camping spot till about midnight and we finally reached the point where our friend Noah who was driving down from Prince George to meet us was going to be coming up the opposite direction of highway as us so we were going to run into each other in the middle see him pull over to the side of the highway and that's what we did and it was just really beautiful because we had not seen Noah in probably five months because he he lived in Vancouver and then he moved up to Prince George to spend more time with his parents and because COVID was not that great for him miss you Noah Um, miss you Noah but yeah so that that was that was really just phenomenal you know Noah had his entire life in the back of his jeep because he was moving back down to vancouver so he had like all of his possessions in the back of his jeep and we had this car full of people that were overpacked and really excited and i just have this memory it's it's you know partially a memory partially a shot i took but of the two cars both with blinkers on sitting on the side of the highway next to each other um and everyone just like hugging and it was you know dusky and and just out in the middle of nowhere and there's barbed wire and I don't know it was really like cowboy-esque almost it was really fitting for the start of the big iron tour yeah that sounds like a beautiful moment that's that's maybe like a wholesome that's a wholesome favorite memory <laughs> yeah there's definitely uh, there's some debauchery a lot of debauchery that went down but uh, yeah. we won't we won't go too deep into the debauchery yeah. I'm I'm quite curious what skating down Revelstoke does to your legs oh boy well so I mean I don't know, should I introduce Revelstoke for those who don't know? Yeah, yeah, please do. So Revelstoke is this city, this like really skate, uh, skier, snow sport city, kind of ski bum vibe in the middle of BC, kind of northern, really close to Alberta. Um, And they have a big, beautiful ski hill um, and they have another mountain on the other. So so Revelstoke's just like in a valley. It's surrounded by mountains. And one of the mountains is, um, it's a, provincial park and it's called meadows in the sky um and it's a long long road that just goes up to the top of this mountain and at about i think 5 p.m they close the road to uphill traffic because it doesn't go anywhere at the top you know it's just a viewing point um and so it's it's a bit of like a it's a little bit of a, a mecca for downhill skateboarding in bc although it's kind of a hidden gem um because it takes you like 25 minutes to skate to the bottom going like a hundred kilometers an hour. Um, it's, it's a big, big hill. So we, as part of our trip, made it to Revelstoke to skate this road. None of us had ever done it. We had just kind of heard whispers about how amazing it was. Um, it really does numbers on your legs. It's a bit of a leg burner. Um, I would imagine, you know, I mean, we had been skating the whole summer up to this, so so we were all pretty, pretty built in the legs. Um, but it was it was tiring. We stopped, you know, in the in the middle of the road, well, halfway down the road, 
at a lookout to smoke a CBD joint and uh, kind of hopefully relax our muscles for the rest of the road down because it's really, really a lot. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for people who don't know, when you're standing on a skateboard, especially when you're trying to go fast, you're in a aerodynamic position. So you got your knee to your chest yeah. and you're kind of folded over. So it, it can get very taxing. Yeah. yeah especially you, for 25 minutes. For 25 minutes. And I mean, you know, you want to keep your weight on only one of your legs to go well because putting your weight on your back foot causes you to wobble and start start counter steering from the back and that's how people get unstable and fall so you want to keep all your weight on one leg up at the front of the skateboard and it's it's tiring definitely that sounds like a an amazing experience though to go down that mountain yeah it was something it was it was like it was a closed road because there really was no traffic and and it was just like beautiful scenery they call it meadows in the sky for a reason yeah sounds like a, an amazing trip um still on the subject of skateboarding i'm very curious how the process of you getting sponsored happened really um out of nowhere i gotta be honest i um really 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 out of nowhere like i i replied to a the company that i'm sponsored by rolling tree i replied to their owner slash founders instagram story of one of their new decks um that they're prototyping and I just said it looks really good and he said I, I asked what the specs are and he told me you know the length and the width because that's kind of you want to know that to know if you're going to like a skateboard um, and then he just said the name of a previous team rider who had recently left the company uh, this person keeps telling me to get you on the team let's make that happen like it was just it was just out of nowhere proposition I haven't ever I until this date, I hadn't even seen one of their boards in real life because they don't really make it up to Canada. Whoa. Um, That's and, so cool. Yeah, and, and it happened really fast. Uh, do you think that Haz speaking to them had anything to do with it? No, because Haz wants me on his team. Damn. I guess uh, a tough, tough life having to choose. Or not tough having life. to choose, but... Well, <laughs> I mean, Harry, uh, the world champion of downhill skateboarding currently rides for a different company. And, and, you know, I was talking to him about a week after I got sponsored and he said, uh, he, he knew who I was sponsored by before I told him. And I was really surprised because I hadn't announced it anywhere. And he was like, yeah, I wanted to get you on my team just slightly too late. Um, so don't tell rolling tree, but, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna talk again in about a year, maybe see, see where things are at with his team definitely that would be a pretty amazing move in the future yeah definitely uh that man can go fast um i'm really curious uh, a bit more of a a technical gear question yeah how do you think the the rojas have affected your skating like (laughs) honestly it's really it's really hard to say um they're really unique and and i think that it's a certain level of like confidence in my gear almost more than the actual abilities of the trucks um the way that they're designed is such that like a, a a certain amount of like slop or play that exists in normal downhill skateboarding truck geometries is just not possible in Rojas. And you really want, you know, the utmost precision when you're downhill skateboarding because you're just a person on a skateboard going that fast and, and you want your steering to be exactly what you tell it to mm-hmm. be. Um, so I think it's just confidence in that they they've kind of inspired confidence in my skating a little bit i don't know um i have to be a little bit more careful over uh 
rough pavement and and cracks and stuff because they are fully rigid it's like a you could skate them without bushings in them they are just a completely solid object from your deck to your wheels so there's I no suspension do that it's uh <laughs> it's really it's something uh yeah no definitely and um on, on on the subject of gear as well i'm very curious as to how you would compare them to your other experience skating precisions because i know you've tried a lot of trucks out there i've tried a lot of trucks um do you have like a tier list in your brain of what you really like yeah i mean it depends on what kind of discipline of downhill we're talking about because you know like i've skated a lot of eras i've skated skoas i've skated ronins i've skated um precision rogues but not the newer slalom geometry um i've skated other stuff but i I can't even there's too many um but i would say that rojas are probably my favorite all-around kind of narrow little truck um i really liked ronins um for for the same things but they definitely have issues in that i that i really wasn't aware of when i was skating them they have issues in the way that Rojas don't where when you're going through a turn and putting a lot of load into your skateboard and, and you know, there's G forces from just how hard you're trying to grip the road through a corner, your weight into the skateboard compresses the bushings on the side of the deck and actually changes your turning angle while you're turning. And it just kind of leads to a little bit of inconsistency in cornering that I think a lot of people don't notice when they're skateboarding or they they aren't even aware of this possibility and i mean there's really only one truck that completely solves it which is rojas um there's some other ways of skating that you can you can put like a spherical bearing and some other trucks but it really isn't quite the same i see okay that's really interesting actually um and as far as skateboarding goes i'm really curious what about the sport of downhill has kind of captured you because there's so many aspects to it there's the social aspect there's the speed the control there's 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 a lot involved even the risk but yeah what do you think is the most captivating thing to you i don't know i've wondered about this question for a while i don't have a really good answer and i try you know i, I wrote my capstone essay in grade 12 english on what i thought it was at the time and i don't think it's that now i i used to think that it was kind of like the meditative aspect because when you're going that fast and you're you know you're just a person on a skateboard you can't really afford to be thinking about anything else you have to be really focused on the present and you know that you just kind of head empty go downhill um turn around the corner you know but i don't think that that's what it is because i i a lot of the skateboarding i do now with how long i've spent in vancouver isn't doesn't require that much focus anymore because I'm so used to the skating here. Um, yet I still love it and I still do it all the time and I don't feel any less of a draw to it. I think that part of it is like that childish wanting to go really fast. Skateboarding feels really fast because you know, you're not in the shell of a car or anything. A hundred kilometers an hour on a skateboard feels really fast compared to being in a car. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think that I would probably pursue any other racing sport that I could afford. If I could afford to race cars, I would probably race cars. That's fair. Um, do you think that that's something you'll probably transition out of from skateboarding to cars at someday in the future? Um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford to actually race cars. I don't like, like as a hobby, 
it's very expensive and I think it's a little bit too late in my life to get into it in a way that I would be getting paid for. I think that a lot of people who race cars either start with family in car racing or auto racing or they start very young and they start with go-karts and they work their way up and and you know there's formula for go-karts so so that's kind of just like how racing drivers get scouted is like in formula go-kart racing really i honestly had no idea yeah yeah so it's, it's quite a process and i just don't think at this point in my life i'm able to make it to that level um yeah and i guess doing it recreationally is a huge hit on the wallet so. oh, massive i mean yeah and i mean you know i i'm i'm still pretty interested in cars and going fast in cars but i don't think i'll ever take it to some level where i'm racing on a track really yeah that's fair enough um I like how you said that skateboarding had a meditative aspect to it. Mm. I think that's definitely something that's true, at least in some regard. And I'm curious as to how that ties into mental health. Mm. So I know um, uh, being able to get out and skate or do other activities can be really beneficial. And especially here in Vancouver in the winter months, it's harder to do that. Yeah, I, I definitely notice like a change in my um, mental health a little bit going into the winter. Although... I mean, we, we kind of just skate all year round and get used to skating in the winter, um, but it's not quite the same. And, and honestly, it's really stressful to skate in the rain and in the wet. You have no grip on the road. It's really hard to corner. It's it's a lot more dangerous. It's a different beast for sure. Totally. So, I mean, you know, you don't quite get the same amount of skating or the same thing out of it in the winter. Um, and I, I notice it. I notice it. I try and do... I don't know. I really want to take up snow sports. Snow sports are a lot of fun. Just to have something like that to do in the winter. Because I definitely get a little bit frantic and kind of... It's hard to describe. I, I get into buying clothes that I can't afford in the winter. That's. I mean, yeah. You, and, and that's just like such a senseless purchase. But, you know. Sometimes that's how it goes. I, I definitely feel that. Um it's a weird thing trying to balance out activity and mental health, but yeah. I find it's 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 strangely so necessary for humans to function, to be yeah. able to move and do things we enjoy. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, on that subject, I'm very curious as to what you've learned in your past relationships about validation. Oh my God. That's a big change. That is um, a big change. About validation. Mm, can you elaborate a little bit? Definitely. Um, I know that you've mentioned that a need for validation has caused trouble for you mm -hmm. and that it's something you've learned to be more aware of mm -hmm. um and i guess i just wanted you to elaborate on that because it is a very difficult thing trying to balance out the needs of others and your own needs as well as being self-aware about it and making smart choices yeah i mean i think i've i've just you know i think i've felt a bit of like anxiety and jealousy and stuff and that for me turns into like a need for validation of like that I am loved or that I am like wanted in a relationship um, and that's kind of been hard for me to manage and it's something that I've had to both kind of really be conscious of what I'm doing and the way I'm acting and, and when I'm kind of out of line and being you know too needy or, or unreasonably jealous over you know things that I shouldn't be insecure about um, with also, you know, talking to my partner and, and kind of, uh, I don't know, working on, on 
kind of both sides so you know sometimes if you know your insecurity isn't always like invalid or or like you know just because you're insecure it's it's you know I've, I've had situations where i've like talked about things and and with my partner realized that maybe they weren't giving enough or or you know yeah it's never a black and white uh story mm-hmm. and definitely clear communication is a huge part of it yeah definitely uh very different turn but i'm I'm quite curious as to why we were eating so many moths oh my god on big iron <laughs> on big iron little iron or on big iron too no yeah that was on big iron i mean it happened i think it happened all around um so for those of you who aren't totally aware when we did our our trip we did uh first we did small iron which was kind of a precursor and we went to a bowen island which is you know just off the coast of vancouver mainland um and camped over there and then we went on our proper trip around the province and during that period there was a big moth population boom in bc um there were just a lot of moths everywhere um and basically there's a very old it's a very old joke that stems from a downhill racer named Kyle Martin, whose nickname in racing was Meth Hammer. Um, and his nickname was Meth Hammer, I think, because he had a very good push. Like he was kicking into the off of the start line to, you know, get yourself moving. He had a really powerful push and they called it, you know, like a hammer. Maybe he was on steroids, Meth Hammer, you know, just hammering the ground. Um, and I don't know how this kind of arose but there's there's you know like just a a funny bro-y culture in downhill skateboarding and, and all these weird inside jokes and there was a team called moth hammer and all you had to do to get on moth hammer was send this this racer this kyle martin meth hammer guy a video of you eating a moth um and this is this is like totally before my time like this moth hammer shit was probably like 2014 2015 but um, uh, my, my friends and I, we heard about it somehow and, uh, just, just thought it was really funny. And, and during this moth boom, we took a video of one of us eating a moth and sent it to him. Um, and eventually he got back to us and said, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're on moth hammer. You're ridiculous. Haven't thought about this in forever. Uh, but in the meantime, we just thought it was really funny because there were so many moths and, and it just kind of became a joke that they were like a snack you know because insect based protein or whatever um and they they were just all over and so along with the spiders we were eating the moths were you eating spiders as well no the spiders were also eating the moths okay good <laughs> um no no we weren't eating any spiders i don't think I, I don't think any of us have done that yet all right i mean that'll be the next uh, hammer gang spider hammer <laughs> no <laughs> i don't think i be. could eat a spider no it's it's, it's pretty horrendous oh but I don't know. We ate a lot of moths. Yeah. Lazar ate a lot of moths. Lazar ate a lot of moths. On Big Iron, I ate a lot of moths. So so specifically in Revelstoke, um, we camped right next to a bridge. Revelstoke is sort of divided by this river. Most of it is on, uh, I think it would be the north side of the river. Our campground was on the south side of the river, but right next to the bridge. And it's this um, just kind of truss iron bridge that has a, a road in the middle that's one lane and it switches back and forth um and then it has a walkway on the side and the 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 walkway on the side has you know fences on the side so you don't fall into the river and the fences are this kind of iron grid 
um, this this kind of cross hatching weave pattern and every single square in the grid had a spider's web in it that was full of moss wow because the bridge was lit up at night and i think that the current of the river would bring moss down the river and they would all just fly through this grid try and get to the lights on the bridge and it was just a big net and so there were also just tons of moss flying around this area and we naturally um wandering around at night outside of our campground because it was right there ended up on this bridge and just found so many moths and ate so many moths for the bit because we were a little bit inebriated and moths and they were it was funny i mean i I will admit it was quite funny um yeah that was was definitely a lot of fun i'm I'm curious about uh the bowen the bowen island stories we we have had some adventures on bowen for sure and uh, i always find that there's there's a specific Bowen vibe. What what would you say the Bowen vibe is? Just in general. In general. Well, I think Bowen's really unique. It's really 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 unique because it's just absolutely no fear of getting uh like arrested for disorderly conduct or downhill skateboarding, which is persecuted in a lot of places, you know. Cops just don't like to see you skateboarding really fast on the street. Um especially when you're doing it on highways or in our case in West Vancouver, it's actually against the law to downhill skateboard. And that's where we downhill skateboard every weekend. Um, so Bowen's Bowen's, you know, tiny, there's maybe one police officer on Bowen and it's an Island and everyone's very nice and we'll let you hitchhike everywhere. And we always just go to this development that doesn't really have any houses on it yet. I think there's one or two now. Um, and, camp there and you know drink and spend all day going back and forth from the beach to the road and just kind of walking up the road and skating down and walking up and skating down um bowen vibe bowen vibe that's that sounds like the bowen vibe uh can you tell us about the the spaceman that lives on the hill what what is our our experience with with this lovely lad well so this road this road is like a really curvy little stretch of road you could you know if you're at the top you can basically see to the bottom except for the fact that it's quite steep um it takes you maybe like 10 minutes to walk up maybe less yeah and 30 seconds to get down 30 seconds to get down something like that um there's one house directly on the road and they had been building it for the whole period of time where we've been going to bowen and now someone inhabits it and it's this like incredible uh, low really open house um, you know you can see through from the front door all the way out to the back windows that uh, the kitchen looks out from over Vancouver because you can see Vancouver from where this house is across the water um, really I think probably a very wealthy gentleman living there and we met this man one time and you know I would say that Noah would probably be able to describe him with a little bit more eloquence but that's just because Noah's got that unique way of describing things but he just seemed like a really strange cowboy that like was not of this earth like probably so wealthy that he just kind of can develop this like absolutely like complete ease about him you know like he was he was out in this beautiful like silk kind of robe with I think I swear to God we saw him with a cowboy hat one time and that's where this came from um he's kind of got like a little bit of a a a southern draw but 
not really southern because it, it would be like a little bit northern Canadian. He he talked about a ranch that he has um, in the interior, uh, and this is just kind of his part time home. And this part time home is probably worth you know several million dollars. Yeah. Um, just kind of like an ethereal being. I don't know how to describe him very well. Honestly, he's really that's, unique. That's and also enough. it's been a little while since we've seen him. It's it's been a minute um, for sure, but uh I don't know. I just remember the time um he called us over to help him move stones and gave us money for beer. Yeah. Yeah, that was really that was really interesting. A lot of people are not nearly that both like undaunted by a group of kind of like 20-year-olds drinking and skateboarding down the street. Um, but he was not only like undaunted, but extremely welcoming. He had us like fill up our, our like big water jug to fill up our water bottles at his, uh, tap on the side of his house. And he had us move around pavers and paid for our beer and just, you know, was extremely kind, um, vouched for us when some other people came over and, you know, asked about who was camping on the property. Uh, just a really unique person with it an energy that I haven't really met other people that have. No, definitely. And that's kind of what I was getting at with the whole Bowen vibe thing. I find that everyone on that Island is just very kind and welcoming. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, for reference, the, uh, West Vancouver that I, I talked about a little bit earlier, um, where we downhill skateboard all the time is like extremely wealthy. Every single house there is, you know, from two to $40 million dollars. Yeah, it's pretty intense. It's, it's you know, like the neighborhoods that we skate with are mansions. And uh, of all the places, why is the one spot you choose to skate illegal? Um, well, because in the past when there was a big skateboarding boom, uh, everyone flocked to West Van to skate because the roads are the best because it's a really wealthy neighborhood built on the side of a mountain. So it's just these curvy, windy streets that have nice maintained pavement and, and banking corners. So you could take your expensive car around the corner. And honestly, honestly, we've seen like rallies of Lamborghinis going through the British properties while we've been out there skating. It's really something. Um, so that's, it just works very well for downhill skateboarding, a grid layout neighborhood. That's 90 degree corners is not fun to downhill skateboard in, but these windy roads are, um, However, during the skateboarding boom, I think a lot of people went there who were not quite able to actually skate the roads safely. Um, and some people got hurt and it caused a lot of problems. And, you know, the really wealthy residents didn't like the noise and the, the kind of fright of seeing skateboarders come around a corner when they're trying to drive up to their house. And I, I understand why it's illegal. It doesn't make sense. But uh, I mean, if you get caught, it's just the entry fee. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you know, I think that with the way that the scene here has changed and uh, skateboarders are quite a bit more responsible and respectful in West Van, um, like we don't really get persecuted by police there anymore. We see police sometimes and they either just wave and drive off or they tell us, you know, you're not really supposed to be skateboarding on some of these roads. The whole municipality is illegal. And, and they're just, they say, like, be safe, stop at stop signs, you know, and, and they're really kind. So I think that the atmosphere of the scene changing here to be a little bit more respectful and careful and open to new people and open to being more respectful has kind of changed the attitude of law enforcement in West Van. And I think that's great, actually. Yeah. I, I kind of wasn't expecting that. I figured it would still be really stuck up. No, no. Like, you used to have, you used to have kids, like, running through people's properties and bushes and stuff to run away from the police because they would get chased down hills by police cars 
and it's not it's absolutely nothing like that anymore you know occasionally we get complaints or we get like someone who is you know not super excited about it but we try to talk to them we try to have conversations with these people now instead of just whizzing away or or, you know giving them the finger and doing it all over again fair enough and uh it's a it's a better uh image to portray out to people i would say absolutely absolutely some some respect in the downhill community because i feel like we can be a pretty rowdy bunch (laughs) no doubt (laughs) to say the least no doubt um as far as rowdiness goes i'm curious to talk about parkade skating yeah because that's always a a super rowdy gang um what 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 time did you start skating parkades like at what point in your life did that become a thing well um i started skating parkades probably i i want to say like within the first six months of starting longboarding uh so like i got my first longboard in spring of 2016 like probably probably like february and i think i started going to parkades that summer um very quickly after i got my first longboard i somehow ended up at flat spot the downhill skateboarding shop in Vancouver, the only downhill skateboarding shop in Vancouver. Um, they are the best and they kind of put me in the right direction. And, and there's a weekly session here um, called Parkades. It's every Thursday night at 8.30, meet up at the art gallery um, where you go skateboard around downtown Vancouver and you go into parking garages and take the elevator up or take the stairs up and skateboard down. And you do it over and over again at one parkade, and then you go to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and you just do that for a night until like you know ten thirty midnight, something like that. Yeah, go pretty late, have some fun. Yeah, it's definitely a, a very rowdy scene. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to what your favorite parkade is. Well, because of the downhill skateboarder in me, because of the I want to go fast around corners, I think a lot of the garages are a little bit tedious because a lot of them are pretty mellow slopes that just loop back on themselves and it's it's uh really you know you could go down it backwards if you really tried really hard and you really thought about it they're not very challenging but i really like dirty chicane which is actually not a garage um it's a section of road it's it's like the only proper downhill skateboarding run in parkades i would say except for maybe the shangri-la hotel has a really amazing parking garage that has like a really really fast couple corners like fast enough that some people who are going to garages definitely shouldn't skate shangri-la um we don't skate it very often yeah it's a rare one um but dirty chicane is really cool because you come down a street and you have to leave basically you start at the top and you have to watch the light at the intersection at the bottom and you wait until it starts counting down to change um in your direction so until you're it starts counting down for the pedestrians in the opposite direction so you're going to get a green um and then you rage down the hill and you take a left corner not actually onto the road but there's a um a ramp that goes down into kind of an underground loading area not for a building but like for some some like a group of complexes it used to be a train loading area for like the cn station that used to be there um and you actually have to do some slides most of the garages you don't have to do any slides um and it's it's just really fun and weird to like go down from street level into a tunnel and and you pass like cars that are sitting waiting for the light to change and everyone's like looking at you weird like what the fuck are these people doing yeah it's a pretty uh a a pretty special one for sure I quite like the Dorisha Kane personally. Yeah. Uh, What's your favorite parkade? Me. 
Um, honestly, probably 30 chicane. Yeah. I really like it. But um, if I had to pick another one, maybe higher education. Oh, yeah. Oh, and fantastic. Skull Skates is great. Skull I Skates is really good. I haven't skull done skate. Skull Skates in a while. Skull Skates is so fun. It's the only like tighter spiral one that I feel comfortable going down. Yeah. But um, Skull Skates has been skated since literally the 80s. That's actually so cool. Yeah. Like that's, it's called Skull Skates. Um, skull Skates is a skateboard shop in Vancouver um, that has been around, I think, since the 70s or the 80s. And they, you know, originally started with like transition skateboards and they made some longboards for a while. And I think there's like an old. I don't know if it's in Thrasher or it's in a different skate mag, but there's an old cover from like the 80s or 90s of street skaters going down that parkade. And they called it Skull Skates because that was, you know, the, the shop and the people who skated in Vancouver at the time. Um, and, and there are still people skating it now and like the elevator barely works and the, you know, the road kind of looks like it's falling apart but it's, it's a lot of fun it's a little falling apart i definitely sure. don't think you could get away legally with like designing a parkade that has corners with that grade anymore it's pretty intense especially because there's like those little there's little drops when you're coming around the left corner they're all left hand corners and when you're coming around the inside if you take it all the way on the inside they actually did not pave the whole curve it just drops um really fun on a skateboard not fun in a car probably <laughs> i would imagine um i'm actually quite curious if you know the name of the parkade that's on the um very top right of the canby bomb oh, the one that if you cut right. in right it also has that same drop where you can kind of go over the inside line and hit a drop top right of the canby bomb do you mean the canby bomb before you take the left corner or like bef- uh it's, it's like the left corner there's a parkade yeah, I know the parkade you're talking about. I've maybe skated it like once, maybe twice, not many times. Right? I really like that one. I don't know what it's called either. Damn. All right. Well, I guess that's that's going to have to be someone else figures that out. Yeah. Katie made a list of all the parkades recently, every single one. Katie probably knows. Katie definitely knows. There are parkades in there that I've never heard of. There's parkades kind of like across the bridge on like on like Main Street on, on the other side of the inlet. Really? Yeah. I really, no really crazy. Whoa, we gotta, we gotta check those out someday. Someday, one day. But uh, damn, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of other fun parkade stories. I'm, I, I've had endless hectic nights. Do you have any highlights? Like when you think of a parkades night that was particularly crazy? Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking about this like yesterday. Um, right now, there's a lot of downhill skateboarding documentaries coming out for some reason. Not really documentaries, but like. There's like three prominent figures in the downhill skateboarding scene, like internationally, have just released trailers for what seem to be like full length, I'm assuming like 45 minutes to like an hour and a half videos that are not just like runs of skateboarding, but that are actually like about, you know, why that person skateboards or whatever. Um, And we were talking about this because there's another one that's been filming for a long time called Super Kooks. Um, And this one was kind of the original in recent memory downhill skateboarding almost documentary they travel around to like a bunch of downhill skateboarding events and filmed and interviewed people and they've been filming i think since 2019 um and i think covid really delayed it but like they went on the race circuit around europe they went to giant's head and so that's how this comes up is 
basically there's an event in the interior called Giant's Head that happens every year that's a really popular downhill skateboarding event. Like people come from all around the world. And what they do is they come into Vancouver the week before and they skate the runs in Vancouver before going up to Giant's Head for the weekend um, for the event. And so on Thursday night before Giant's Head, it's Parkades and it's a really huge crew because there's all these people who are out of town coming to Parkades and it gets really rowdy. Um, so in 2019, when this happened, the Parkades night fell on, it was like the day or the day after I graduated high school. Um, so that Parkades night was really crazy. There was so many people from all over the world, like not from Vancouver, so many faces that like I had seen in videos or seen on Instagram that I had never actually, you know, met. Um, Super Kooks was filming at Parkades. They interviewed uh, some people. They interviewed our friend Finn. They interviewed Sean. Yeah? Uh, yeah. They, Sean was left with with the filmers for Super Kooks for like a half hour. Whoa. I hope they got some deep stuff out oh, of yeah. Sean. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that night, you know, I was drinking a lot because I, it was my graduation. I, I was just having a party. Uh, you know, we were we were being hooligans in front of the camera and just for all these people who were new and just doing, you know, the craziest skating we could because why not special night. And that was, that was a really, that was a really crazy parkades memory. That was the grad kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was when you graduated too. Yeah. We graduated the same year. So, <laughs> um, I have some other ones of like, I, I, you know, they're not fully fleshed out memories, but they're memories of like, nights where we were running from security for like a long time like through multiple parkades because the security you know hired to do parkades is the same company for like a couple companies it's all paladin isn't it freaking paladin security I think it's all paladin <laughs> although i think i think it might be i think there's one other um isn't it like black diamond or something I, I think it's something like that yeah yeah anyways um that was that was really that was a really crazy night. We definitely like set off a fire alarm in one parkade and then ran to another one. And then they were there waiting for us and we had to run from them from there. And then I don't know every single night that we go into, um, uh, Oh, I don't remember what the parkade's called the hotel where you have to actually send someone into the lobby. Oh, um, I know the one you're talking about. But I also forgot the name. I love that parkade. It's so fun. Yeah. So there's there's this parkade where... Um, Aren't you supposed to walk in backwards? Into the lobby? No, no, no. Once you go through the lobby, we go through the doors and walk in backwards to make it look like we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. But honestly, that checks out. Um, there's there's all these like weird zany parkades where you have to like... There's this one called Lockdown where you have to actually like climb up a power pole in the alley that's next to the outside of the parkade um and like jump into the first level of the parkade that's on like you know the it's like the second story of a building you've always been the one to climb it haven't yeah i have always been the one to climb it but i think i think someone else would be doing it if i wasn't volunteering every time it's just been like when i was like when i was like you know 16 or something i i got like I was like the youngest person there and they were like, climb this. And I was like, okay. And then I've just been doing it since cause it's fun and it's funny. And I, I don't know. I don't want to put that burden on someone else. That's fair. Um, and you've always yeah. got away with it on skates. So yeah. Uh, that one's pretty weird, but yeah, there's one where it's the, the, 
it's the parkade under a hotel and everyone who's trying to get into the parkade to skate goes and waits at a door kind of on the side of the hotel um and one person you know leaves their skateboard their gloves their helmet with um with that group of people at the door on the side and then walks around the building to the lobby and just walks into the lobby as as if they're a guest of the hotel goes to the elevator and goes um goes down a floor because the door on the other side is on a lower floor and this floor is like mostly conference rooms and um and like you know like dining halls and stuff so it's really empty at that time of night because you know we usually only get there at like 10 30 on a thursday yeah it's one of the later ones um so it's really empty and you just walk into that level go over to where the door is open it from the inside because it's an exit and you know it's unlocked from the inside and uh, everyone comes in and you go skate the parkade that's like a floor lower than that until security comes and kicks you out or you get bored um but that one's really fun and i've had some fun nights where like it wasn't a big crew it was just like you know us and and a couple of our friends and you'd just like go in and kind of mess around in that weird hotel area definitely i remember uh, i still have a spoon from that hotel that we got in the lobby (laughs) that was quite a bit of fun um i'm really curious as to the night that i bought a craigslist sign off you for zero dollars and no skateboarding no uh drinking sign no skateboarding no rollerblading no biking do you remember that um is that is the craigslist part like an excuse that we came up with yeah 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 because that was from that was from like the seawall path wasn't it yes yeah that was that was good that was really interesting that was a very hectic night could you recall the events i don't know i was i was drinking of course as you do at parkades um we kind of end the night at parkades at this uh, path right on the seawall because it's not a parkade. Um, so you're not going to get kicked out and you can just kind of skate this stinky little path or sit on the benches and hang out and talk because everyone's tired at this point. Um, and there's some signs at the pavilion at the top that are like no skateboarding, rollerblading, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Ben decided that he wanted one, right? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I believe this is yeah. more or less what went down. Yeah. And, and so we, Unfortunately for municipal government, at least here, they have chosen to um, bolt signs to things with the same size bolt or the same size nut that our skate tools um, use for, you know, our skate, our skateboards. It's the same size nut that our skateboards use for their kingpin. Um, So all of our skate tools have the proper uh, socket to undo these signs and take them off walls and and stuff. and so naturally, you know, we took this no skateboarding sign off of uh, some concrete pillar that was holding up, you know, something. I don't know. We took the we took the no skateboarding sign, and I'm pretty sure it was the pillar uh, that was holding up the shelter for the rain. Yeah, yeah, that would do it. Um, <clears throat> we took this, we took this sign, and we, you know, eventually we had to take the train home because you know we we have to take the train home from where parkades ends it's you know like a few stops on the sky train um and we went and it was it was probably like one of the last trains wasn't it like one of the last trains it was i think very close to being one of the last trains though i do remember the night we got the last train and didn't even realize it yeah yeah that was a different night i mean you know weekdays the trains don't run so late so you know like you're you're leading on the last train at like 12 30 i think yeah um and we 
took the train back to our local station and um, realized that we had to think up some excuse for like why Ben was holding this municipal sign um, that was clearly stolen um, in case there were uh, transit police or, or actual police waiting in the station. And um, lo and behold, there were. There were transit police waiting in the station. Um, and this station has two exits, one, one on the south side and one on the north side. And we originally went to kind of go towards the south side one. And there were um, police there. And Ben had realized that he had lost his fare, right? This was the same night? Uh, yes, but you are. I think you're missing a part of the story. Okay, fill me in. Okay, so the first encounter we had with the transit police was at Waterfront Station, the first station we got in. <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you, do you remember No, this? I okay. don't. So you had swerved in front of a scooter, and the scooter pulled oh my God. an impromptu stop, yeah. which then alerted the police officer that shenanigans were going on in our yeah. direction. Yeah. And instead of looking at you, the person who had swerved in front of the scooter, he noticed me holding this big stolen sign. So, um, and this wasn't in a bag. Like we, you I was were just, just holding, holding a sign. Yeah, yeah, I was just holding it. So, um, I, I was forgotten. under the influence of some cannabis. Yeah, and um, uh, the officer asked me, "Hey, uh, where'd you get the sign?" So I, I, I didn't really have anything to say because it was very clearly stolen. Yeah, and my friend uh, Noah, who we shouted out earlier, love you, Noah, um, comes up and saves my ass and just tells the police officer, uh, "We got it at a construction site. The people there weren't using it anymore, and they gave it to us." The police officer just did not care. So Really? Yeah, he was like... I don't think I knew that Noah made that excuse. He did. He saved my life. Wow. Well, not saved my life, but... Uh, Probably would have been a pretty tough night. Yeah, definitely. I didn't want to go home in a police car. Um, so the reason I didn't have my fare is because I got tapped in by this Russian drug dealer dude who then tried to sell us drugs when we got onto the SkyTrain with him. Was that that guy who like gave us his Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I followed him up until very recently. <laughs> um, yeah. Really strange, really strange. That yeah, so a- you got you got tapped into the train and then didn't have a fare. Exactly. And uh, we sat on the train for a while and got caught up in conversation with this weird guy who lived at like a... He didn't live... He was like staying at some hostel um, in downtown and, you know, working at a restaurant under the hostel. Um, just, yeah, I think, like for his stay. Um, for room and board. Um, and... So we got cut up and just kind of forgot about the fair thing. And we got to the station where we were going to get off and went to leave. And there were um, police waiting at the exit that we were originally going to go out, right? Yeah. Um, so we turned around, went towards the other exit. And, uh, you know, I, I recall it being very tense. There were like, more I think, police. Yeah, weren't they weren't they walking sort of towards us because they were closing the station and they were just trying to like get people out? I believe they were escorting someone who was causing trouble out, which means they weren't really paying attention to us. Yeah. But I was still holding a yeah. large stolen sign. Large stolen sign and then I tapped you out and we just we skateboarded away as fast as we could. Yeah, and it was it was fine. She made it home, still have the sign. That though that was a really fragmented memory for me. I'm sorry. I don't think oh, no, I had okay. put it together that that was all the same night. I I was curious to see how fragmented it was. Yeah, hence, I mean, hence yeah. the question. <laughs> um, oh, I'm curious if you have any other like really cursed parkades night. I've known there to be some like horrendous experiences. I have one, two in particular in my mind, but I'm curious as to what your experiences have been like. You know, I I don't think I have too many that I would call like horrendous or even very bad. 
there's been some like weird situations i mean like there's a lot of nights where just it happens very often that you have to interact with security guards and you have to kind of like leave maybe in a running away fashion um <laughs> but that those interaction are interactions are never really that scary because it's like a hired security guard and they're not really going to be able to do anything to you um, yeah they're just kicking you out that's their job um i've had a couple times where i've fallen at parkades while you know a little bit drunk and that's just really upsetting <laughs> uh it's just not fun but i don't i don't know i don't think i have really any that are really horrendous oh. I, I really just have a lot of fun at parkades usually yeah me too um i, I just I, I always think back to this one night where um one of the security guards tried to stab us with a broken hubcap I think that I was already on my way out when that happened because I, I don't think it was firsthand for me. Okay, yeah. I remember seeing the dude being all flustered but just skating by him and not yeah. having it be an issue. But I remember a lot of people um, bringing that up and being like, wow, that's kind of intense. That was really intense. Night. Yeah, yeah. There's been some weird kind of encounters where people are like brandishing weapons and stuff. There's this one parkade that we... We skated... We skate at a lot because every single parkades night we go to the pizza place that's right next to this parkade. We get pizza and then we go to this parkade and we sit on the roof and eat pizza. Um, and it starts maybe like six floors above ground and then goes like three floors underground. And at one of the underground floors, there's a door in one of the walls. And we always saw some kind of like big dudes standing around outside the door and people coming in and out. And it was always kind of suspect because it's like literally a door in the wall in the basement of a parkade that's run down. Um, and I remember someone suggesting that they thought it was like sex trafficking or something. And we just like went on with doing parkades and didn't really think much about it. And then one night during COVID, I think when it was like lockdown and I was just skating parkades with a couple other people, um, just a couple friends like i think i was with lazar i don't know if you were there um this doesn't sound familiar to me so probably we, not <laughs> yeah we um just out of curiosity went up to this door because there was actually just like someone standing there and we just really wanted to know um i think it was lazar who did this who went up to this guy standing at the door and he he, he was like laughing with someone else so they seemed approachable turns out it's a comedy club Really? There's just a comedy club in this hole in the wall in this parkade, and we said we would show up there, and then it was like worse corona, so we didn't. Uh, that makes sense. We didn't want to go to you know an event. I can't believe there's an abandoned comedy club. In it's the not abandoned. It's used. Yeah, People that's that's what they're doing. It's a comedy club. It's literally a comedy club. That's crazy. Is that the entrance? Yep. As far as I know. Whoa. Really weird. Really, really weird. And I think that. It's like worth a trip. Shout out to the shit Cade. Shout out to the shit Cade. God. Um, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, really unique. Really on, <laughs> strange place. On the subject of falling. Yeah. I am quite curious as to what the worst injury you have sustained is from downhill in particular. Well, that's tough. I it's it's tough because you could do you could do a couple worsts. Like you could do probably like an objective the worst injury which is I um, I did a 
I got a boxer fracture in one of my hands. For those of you who don't know, they call it a boxer fracture because it happens to boxers a lot. It's a knuckle that's sort of like behind. It's it's in here. There's a joint. Um, and on one of my hands, I broke this joint and needed uh, pins that were actually sticking out of the side of my hand for the whole period of healing. Um, that was probably like the objectively worst injury I've had downhill skateboarding. Although I can't say it was really like that bad in the long term. It was just that one like needed surgery and pins. pins. So I would say that one's pretty bad. Um, the one that was the worst in terms of like me feeling absolutely horrible and regretting it the most is um, it was one day I went out skating in like, I think it was like, March yeah it would have been it would have been like early March or maybe yeah it would have been early March 2020 like right right before coronavirus um right when kind of downhill skating was starting to happen again in Vancouver after the winter uh I went out one morning because I knew it was going to be a big skate day uh there were a lot of people in town visiting and it was just going to be a really big crew um I went out a little bit early and went to get like one solo run to warm up um, and solar runs are a little bit weird because the way that we skate the runs in West Vancouver is you have to like kind of have someone go down to a stop sign or go down to like a, a blind corner ahead of everyone else and wave them through. And so on a solo run, you don't really do that. You just skate really slow and stay in your lane and skate really cautiously and don't blow stop signs. And so on my solo warm up run, I was coming through this corner set that you usually have a spotter for and you're all the way in the left, all the way in the left lane when you come through this corner set because you have a spotter. So we never, we never really interact with like the right side of the road in this corner. Um, and I was coming through this corner and I didn't have a spotter and I was going slow. So I was in the right side of the road and there was just a big um, vertical pavement height change because of some like plumbing work that needed to be done under the road so there's like a pavement patch after they tore the road up um and this this totally took me by surprise because i had never really skated there and i wasn't paying a lot of attention because i was going really slow and just kind of like taking it easy went over this pavement change fell and put a huge hole in one of my knees just a big big piece of road rash um and this was before I'd even like met up with everyone else I was skating with for the rest of the day. This was the first run of the day. Um, so I like bucked up, you know, cut my high socks off at the ankle and pulled the rest of the tube of the sock up over my knee to cover it up as like a makeshift bandage. Um, and then I met up with everyone else and went for the second run of the day and was like, you know what? I'm still going to make this good. I'm still going to have fun today. And I pretty much fell in the same place on the next run and did the same thing to my other knee. Oh, damn. And so both of my knees had big, you know, bigger than two knee, like that big, um, just really painful uh, gashes or I don't know holes holes really in them uh i did the same thing with the other sock um and skated the rest of the day kind of like in pain stingy the whole day feeling really tired and just kind of out of it because i had fallen twice 
Um, the second fall wasn't actually because of the same pavement crack. It was uh, I rubbed wheels with someone. We were skating so close, our wheels rubbed against each other, and and that is just kind of a recipe for disaster when you're skating. And just ended up falling and had a pretty bad rest of my day. And the next day, I couldn't walk up the stairs of my house, and it took so long for my knees to heal. And right around the same time, I got sick for three weeks, and we kind of think it was coronavirus. Um, so I really had a horrible like month after that crash and was really apprehensive about downhill skateboarding and took it really slow when I was getting back to skating um, and bought knee pads like right away. And I don't skate without knee pads anymore. That's good um, shit. Especially because I, for, well, I didn't buy knee pads right away, honestly. I fell on one of my knees once or twice, not bad falls and ripped the scar tissue that had just formed off of one of those big, big gashes. And, and just by the end of it, I was so frustrated with myself for not wearing knee pads and not, you know, taking it safely enough. And yeah, that one is my biggest regret one. I would say that was like my worst fall in terms of making me very upset. Totally. Um, and then I thought I broke my wrist. There was one fall where I thought I broke my wrist, didn't go get an x-ray because I really wasn't sure and I was really anxious about it. So I didn't get an x-ray because that makes sense. I guess procrastination or whatever. Uh, and I wore a wrist brace for like two months um, and then eventually went and got an x-ray and they said there was nothing wrong. And that was really bad just because I was so anxious for like two months and I would only take my wrist brace off to shower and I think just in the time that I was in the shower like my wrist didn't have enough time to get back to kind of feeling normal and functioning so I was just perpetually super anxious for two months about if my wrist was broken or not didn't do anything about it procrastinated and then it was fine apparently that well I'm, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's all right um I am quite curious to hear the story as to how you ended up with a thorn in your forearm and your back. You really want you really want to hear about me being an idiot. You? <laughs> You're really trying to put me out. Um, yeah, so this this is a pretty weird story. I mean, it's not that weird, but it's pretty tragic. Um, it was right after we did our big big iron tour uh, last summer, and we came back to Vancouver. Um, we had been there for like a week. One of my friend's houses was empty. Um, and so we decided we were all going to hang out and watch this legendary skate video called Eat Shit by this company, Venom. They're out of uh, Colorado and they were like the top racers in the world and like the best downhill skateboarders in the world at the time that this video came out. And it was like a 40 minute video, maybe longer, um, with an accompanying drinking game. Um, and these guys really can drink. Um, and they made the drinking game to go with it really that gnarly. Um, so we, we had just come back from this trip of debauchery where we all kind of felt like we were hot shit, like we were like the Venom guys. You know, we were skating all Venom wheels and just kind of trying to imitate their lifestyle of like, you know, going bombing the big highways, running from the police and like just drinking and camping in the middle of nowhere, you know. Um, so we came back. We went to our friend's house, decided to watch this video, which we had never watched. Um, and we got all ready for it. And 
the drinking game was really bad. Like I think I think it was like twelve beers in forty minutes. That yeah. was that was about what it came out to for most of us. Um, so we were really wasted, and we went um, we went to just kind of wander around after because we just were a bunch of kind of drunk people who had no idea what to do. We didn't want to like sit in this house, um, and there's a big park with a high school in it, r- like right next to my friend's house. So we went to this big park and just kind of like tooled around for a little bit and realized that uh, we could get up on the roof because the the high school just kind of has a one floor roof or sorry a one story roof um and so we went to do this and and kind of climbed up on this roof and and you know we were just being drunk and disorderly and you know it's it's only one story is only like what 12 feet maybe something like that it's yeah it's, it's pretty high up i would say pretty high up but like not so high so i i was standing on the roof here and there's a big big bush below me and all my friends were not all my friends but you know a bunch of them were on the lower level on the ground um and we were just kind of getting ready to head out and i was just i just had no interest in climbing down from the roof and i said do you think that i could land in that bush and be fine and then did not wait for a response and jumped into the bush and i mean to my credit i was fine the bush very comfortable totally cushioned my fall totally would have been fine except this was a i don't know what type of bush i i haven't gone back um but it was a bush with thorns and these thorns were just like inch long spikes maybe maybe three quarters of an inch i don't know but they were just like spikes like like a big sliver almost um and i got a couple of them in me and really wasn't super aware of it at the time when we got back to my friend's house uh pulled a couple of them out of my back and it was just fine no big deal a couple days later um one of my forearms swelled up a bit and we realized that there was probably a thorn still in there and i went to emergency just to see if they could like take it out because uh, it was swelling in a weird way that was kind of scary they couldn't find it because it was at the point that they were uh mucking with it and trying to pull it out or or look for it it just increased the swelling they couldn't find it. They said there was probably nothing in there, and they gave me some antibiotics and said it was just probably an infection. Um, and I didn't notice until probably about a year later, um, but it's still there. There's there's a really noticeable piece of thorn in my forearm that I can feel. I can move it around. And, it, and in the past probably month and a half, it started to kind of turn a little bit purple right by the tip that's closest to the skin because I think it's trying to work its way out now. Huh. Um, Hopefully in a few years from now, it'll leave your body. I think it will be in, in a maybe like a month. Oh, that's, wow. That's the timeline I'm seeing. Soon. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, really exciting. I can't wait to take it out. I, think I that's cannot be a lot wait. Of fun. Especially because, you know, like if I, if I rest my forearm on a table like this and I touch the thorn, it hurts because it's there and it's a foreign body and it's just like annoying. It, it, it's not supposed to be there. It's sharp. It pokes me on the inside. I don't like it. Uh, yeah you can see yeah, right, yeah, right there, there it's purple oh yeah it's yeah, really nice. sticking out damn yeah yeah it's it's present damn so that is I, i'm gonna get that out and i don't know what i'm gonna do with it but i'm not gonna throw it away because that's that's a funny memory you'd better it's save a little that. souvenir yeah 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 save it for later save the bush for later um i do have a good night i do have one other story i'd like to, i'd like to go into but um obviously if you don't want to share it, it's okay very curious how you ended up skateboarding with the aforementioned pins in the hand on og day 
Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good one, actually. Um, that's a good one. That, I don't mind sharing that. Um, when I uh, got the story, the story about the pins in my hand is a little bit deeper than just I fell skateboarding and got pins in my hand. Basically, it was in spring of 2018. So this would have been, I was two years into downhill skateboarding and I had only ever really skateboarded with my friend Lazar. Uh, we didn't know anyone to skateboard with in the Vancouver scene. We would occasionally go to these events that the local shop hosts and we would see other people skateboarding. You know, obviously it's a downhill skateboarding event. It's just a bunch of people downhill skateboarding, but we wouldn't really interact with anyone else because we were just new. Um, I got kind of noticed by some better skaters and they invited me to go skate in West Van in the in the British properties, the neighborhood that we were talking about earlier, the best place to skate in Vancouver. Um, so I, you know, really, really feeling super, you know, pressured but excited. I, I said yes. And I went on a I think it was a pro D day. I think it was a pro D day. And I went to um, West Van to skate with this person who invited me out. And lo and behold, the other person who was there, uh, Oliver Lanyon, shout out, nice guy, love that guy, at the time was like my favorite downhill skateboarder. And he has all these videos in West Van where he's like, you know, going switch, skating backwards, doing all this cool stuff. And I kind of idolized him at the time and didn't know he was going to be there. And I probably would not have gone had I known. And he was there. And so I felt all this pressure to skate with them and keep up with them. And I fell on the first run in a really weird spot just because of a pavement crack and broke my hand and I and it was about halfway down the run and I knew my hand was broken right away um I knew something wasn't right but I didn't say anything I skated down the rest of the run just like pounding with adrenaline um and you know the lower half of the run from there was pretty tame so it wasn't like you know I wasn't really hurting so bad and we got to the bottom and there's a 7-Eleven at the bottom. And um, I went into the 7-Eleven and I was like, I got to get a drink. And I went in and I looked at my hand and I could just tell that it was not right. Um, and so I looked over it. At, uh, I didn't look over. I, I bought my drink, went out, went up to Jake and Oliver, the two people I was with, and said, hey, uh, my mom doesn't know I'm skateboarding today. And she's uh, going to get really mad if... She finds out, and I just found out that she's going home early, so I need to leave right now. That's what I said to them. Um, and I left without telling them that I had hurt myself, and I took the C bus across to downtown Vancouver, and I called my dad, and I said, hey, I broke my hand. Uh, meet me at the hospital. And he met me at the hospital, and they were like, yeah, you broke your hand. And I told my parents that I was skateboarding on the street like next to our house <laughs> and, and and because they didn't know that I went to West Van because they would have been mad um, and that you know was was bad and I you know the next day or the next weekend I don't know when Jake invited me back to West Van I was like I, I broke my hand skating in this alley like near my house uh, sorry dog <laughs> it's crazy um, and I had a cast and I had pins and the pins kind of stuck out of the side of the cast and it was really gross and it felt horrible, you know, for anyone who's had pins that are temporary or even had permanent pins. It just feels weird to have a foreign thing in you and in your bones. 
Um, anyways, on the last day, basically there's this event that this was the, this was, I think the second time that this event had happened. It's called OG day. And, uh, a dear friend of ours, Colin hosts this event. Shout out to Colin. Best, best person in the scene. Totally a wizard. Love Love you. you, Colin. Um, he hosts this event called OG day where all the experienced riders in kind of Vancouver get together and skate setups that are really dated, like 10 years plus old. Um, those setups just are, are kind of harder to skate fast. Technology has really progressed in downhill skateboarding and, you know, 10 year old setups just are scary to skate fast on. So they go to all these kind of really mellow beginner hills and skate these old setups and invite, you know, anyone who can kind of downhill skate can come and they can, you know, like I went that year because I really wanted to, because it was a community event and I figured I would actually meet people. And I felt really confident, like way too confident for someone who had a cast on. And I was like, you know what? I should really go. Um, So I got my friend Lazar to come to my house and pick up some of my skateboard parts and uh, take them to his house and put them back together. And so the day of OG day was the day before I was going to get my cast off and get my pins taken out. It was a Sunday. And... I left the house on Sunday and told my parents I was going to hang out with my girlfriend and um, I, you know, had a backpack on that was probably so conspicuous because I had a helmet in it. Um, And I left, I went to Lazar's house, got the skateboard that he had been harboring, um, took transit all the way to OG Day, showed up and was just so excited to skate and I skated OG Day and, and just only did glove down heel side slides because I couldn't put my my toe side glove down because my hand had a cast on it and I held a GoPro in the cast hand the whole day because that was the only thing I could do with it like I couldn't even put a glove on um and it was phenomenal I mean I had a blast I was super excited I met people and kind of felt like a little bit more like a member of the scene that day and and that was kind of I would say right about when I I started feeling more at home in the Vancouver downhill skateboarding scene. That was like the first day that I felt like I was like a presence. I wasn't just kind of an outsider watching. I was, I was really in it. Um, and I didn't fall. I, I didn't fall that day. I was really careful. I, uh, you know, I got Lazar to bring my skateboard and my helmet back to his house again. Um, and the next morning I went and got my pins pulled out and got my cast taken off and that was really it. 2018 was, you know, a lot of Lazar and I skating together after that. And, and we kind of skated with those people with Jake and with Oliver who had first invited me out. I didn't really ever tell Jake or Oliver about this. Um, I think I might've told Jake about it, but well, didn't really tell them. So here you go. You might know um, now. <laughs> you might know now. Skated with them that summer, really kind of progressed quite a bit. Cause I was skating with some new faster people who were better than me. And then, winter 2019 spring 2019 i met aiden i met you know lazar and i met aiden we met noah shortly after that jake really brought together a bunch of people and then that's really when i got started to get pretty good at downhill skateboarding and definitely i mean i feel like uh the void incorporated crew has been a great vehicle for you guys to all push you push each other oh absolutely especially because we were all kind of like a weird mishmash of skill levels but all not really 
like experienced skaters like the people who we were looking up to so we all kind of progressed together and I mean we were just great friends so it was just like it was a good kind of mix of wanting to hang out to skateboard and then also just wanting to hang out to be friends and so we hung out a lot and we skateboarded a lot and we ended up getting really good at skateboarding yeah I mean what an amazing crew um I, I think I want I, I want to ask you one last question yeah absolutely um well maybe more than one last question but <laughs> I do I do uh, want to ask about flat spot yeah. I think flat spot is such a backbone of the community what what makes it so special do you think man it's it's really hard to say I don't know exactly what makes it so special I think I think it would be really hard to summarize because I think that a lot of things about it are really special I think um, I mean I think the the people who work there are really really incredible like I think less less is incredible Misha is incredible I know Misha is Misha used to work at Flatspot he was I think one of the co-founders with less I'm not totally positive on the origins of Flatspot but uh Misha moved away from Vancouver, I, I want to say in 2018, um, to go work in a farm in the interior. Um, I think a family farm. I think he, he's working with bees and apples and all sorts of things. I don't know. Shout out to Misha if you ever hear this. Um, Misha was incredible. Les was incredible. Flatspot has always kind of made these 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 events for the community um all sorts of events for the community i mean they they really they really try to foster all levels of downhill skateboarding in vancouver um in ways that you know th other shops don't necessarily do like flatspot would organize these events they haven't had one in a while because of covid and and stuff but they would organize these events called highway jams and these were super formative for me um where they would rent a school bus for a day uh sell tickets uh, fill up the school bus with a bunch of skaters and then drive the school bus around Vancouver and West Vancouver to all these different hills um, and just kind of like have a bunch of skaters skate a spot for like an hour, hour and a half and then drive to the next one and end at this spot out on the Sea to Sky Highway where there's no cars, there's no houses on it. It's just a service road um, that you don't have to worry about cars on and you have to hike up to it, but you hike up to it, you get a bunch of pizza ordered to the spot like 30 pizzas or something and and just like load up on pizza and hang out and skate and those used to happen you know once every maybe three four five months um and so for for lazar and i when we were uh beginning at downhill skateboarding and really trying to chase it and we didn't have people to push us we would um have highway jams push us like we would we would go to one highway jam and then be like okay i want to be able to do this slide by the next highway jam I want to be able to do this slide by the next highway jam. And that was really like a benchmark for our progression was like, okay, we're not going to have like people take us to runs and, and push us in that way. But we have these, you know, like, you know, like quarterly events where we just want to be better by the next event. And, and for me, I attribute like me being here to that. I really would not be here if it was not for flat spot and for highway jams. And like, that is so significant in my development as a downhill skateboarder just because of the way that the scene was at the time super not welcoming generally speaking to beginners um this this made all the difference um and i mean they, they've been doing they were doing up until covid these weekly tuesday sessions called tech slide tuesday at this hill out in north van that's you know pretty mellow so you'd get a bunch of veteran skaters going there and skating really kind of 
setups that are really you know like basically a street board with hard wheels and trying to do really technical slides that that are really challenging that your your average longboarder probably doesn't know how to do and then also beginners coming on their longboards and this hill is like substantial enough that a beginner on a longboard can like you know really pick up some speed and try and learn some slides and and get a bunch of feedback from all the veterans that are there just learning interesting technical things and hanging out and it's it's like so incredible and i mean anyone can walk into flat spot and just ask about anything you know like until covid um we would just show up to flat spot whenever and hang out and just talk with whoever was there and you know there's a there's a there's been a bowl a skating bowl in flat spot for quite a long time i don't think it was there right away from when flat spot opened but um, a bowl called the walk that's apparently pretty hard to skate I don't know I don't skate transition but it's always been fun to kind of show up to flat spot and just see like someone skating this bowl that's like right right in there um, just hanging out and watch someone skate you know they're happy to have you skate flat ground in the shop skate street in the shop just you know on in off hours in the basement totally yeah, whatever um, yeah it's it's incredible um, and I think I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a special shop. It's really special. I can't. It's I can't. Not a lot of I can't like summarize that. it. Less and always I, hooks up with the deals. Less always hooks up with the deals. I don't know. Less is just less. Less you're incredible. I don't. I can't even begin to express my gratitude for the way that you've uh, helped the scene as a whole, and also just helped like every individual one of us, and with advice, and you know, taught us things about the industry, and and told us to look out for you know certain things total skate dad total skate dad I love absolutely it. um i guess i'd, I'd want to close this off pretty soon we've been rolling for basically an hour and a half now oh nice but wow. uh, i want to i want to i want to ask you uh, what are your goals going forwards i know you're working at the espresso company you're now a sponsored skateboarder but what what is the future looking like for sam well i um i want to move out soon that's a that's a big one that's high on the priority list in terms of just life stuff i want to move out um move in with some friends kind of get some experience living on my own um i want to go to school to university really soon because i've been essentially just working a nine to five since i graduated and that's you know that's fine i've saved a lot of money and spent a lot of time skateboarding and i wouldn't be as good as as good of a skateboarder as i am now if i hadn't given myself that time but i want to go back to school i miss learning i'm excited to learn and just be in a environment with peers and you know that sort of dynamic definitely um so that's a goal hopefully in uh september 2022 going to school where would you be looking to study um i i'm gonna go into uh, engineering hopefully mechanical engineering and just see how that goes i'm a little bit daunted by some of the theory but we'll see i'll see how it goes and if not you know it's no big deal move to something else totally that's life um as for skateboarding i am it's been a goal of mine for like three years to do the world tour of races uh hasn't really happened since um since COVID-19 hit but coming soon hopefully I'd love to see it I want to I want to travel the world race some big hills meet meet all sorts of people and uh, really experience that and see if that's something I want to pursue in the future that 2024 Um, Olympic dream hey if it happens it would be incredible that'd be incredible um world roller games 2022 is happening it's a biannual kind of ioc affiliated event um 
so in Olympic affiliated um, event and they have a downhill skateboarding segment. The last one was in 2019 in Barcelona. Um, the next one is supposed to be in 2021. It's going to be in 2022 in Argentina, Buenos Aires. Um, and they, you know, assemble a national team for every country to race. And Team Canada has a couple of qualifying races in the books. Um, so really, really would like to qualify for that and experience kind of like a true, almost Olympic level downhill skateboarding event. I really hope to see you there. Um, I think that'd be incredible. That would be, a, that'd be, that's, that's a stretch goal. That's a stretch goal. We'll see. We'll see. I really would like to do well at Danger Bay coming up at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, that's a goal that I now have as of today because I you know, learned I got into the racing bracket of Danger Bay uh, today. Um, and I am very, very excited because that's, that's the longest running downhill skateboarding race ever. Um, it's the 20th year, um, longest consecutively running. There's a, there's a race called the Sullivan challenge that argues that they've been running for a little bit longer, one year young, one year longer, but they didn't do any racing in 2019 because of COVID. They, uh, just, they just had a draw. They just, you just entered a draw and won a draw and that was winning the Sullivan challenge. Um, not really a race at all. Uh, danger Bay just postponed their race until from, from spring when it would have been to October and had a really tiny race. You know, they had like a 30 racer, no spectators in and out, have to hike the hill between runs, no, no bus up or anything. Um, but they made it happen. So I'm going to say that danger Bay is probably the longest running race in downhill skateboarding. Damn. I respect it. And uh, I'm really, really excited to race that. And that's a goal for sure is to do well there. Maybe podium. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can certainly do it. Um, I guess if you want to let people know where they could find you on social media, is there anything you'd want to plug? Oh, boy. Um, at Void Incorporated. I'm not sure. I think it's Void Incorporated. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Void Incorporated. Um, that's kind of that's us. That's the group of friends that I skate with. Uh, that's just kind of where we post silly stuff and you know do whatever we were going to make skateboards for a while i kind of put some put some work into customizing skateboards but we never really never really made them from scratch and i don't know we'll see well maybe we, one we made a few but they were all dumpsters. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um my at is sidor uh i think you're gonna have to add it because i don't know how many s's are in my at quite if, a few yeah i think it's like four or five um it's just four or five S's and then my last name. Um, I don't know how many S's, so I can't really plug it. But Fair. Yeah, follow me if you want. Follow uh, Rolling Tree Skateboards. Um, they are my sponsor for Downhill Skateboards. Uh, follow Flat Spot Shop. Um, they are the best, just the best. Period. I absolutely love Flat Spot. And uh, mm-hmm. on my end, I'd love to give a big thank you to uh, my dad for hooking me up with some gear. To Reiner for helping me get this beautiful Let's setup. Go. And uh, a very special thank you to my mom, who for which we get to sit on beautiful cushions, which you cannot see. And uh, I mean, having a space to use in the attic, which I'm ever grateful for. It's so fantastic. thank you. And uh, thanks for tuning in. If anyone actually listened, that would be incredible. <laughs> I love you all. Thank and you very uh, much. Thank you, Ben, for this. This is this is pretty fantastic. Oh, no worries, G. I, I thank you for coming I'm up. excited to see what else you... Uh, where this goes totally and i hope to have uh, more more skateboarding people if you're into the skateboarding or more just interesting guests in the future so please Amazing. tune in next time all right thank you sam
That was so fun. <laughs> that was really cool. All right. All right. Totally lost all conception of my physical self for a little bit. <laughs> oh, the camera almost died. <laughs> oh, wow. Good times. Let me plug this bad boy in. Which plug is this attached to? 